you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast gets in scuffles with Liz Frank. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. And I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Woo! We are flying, fellas. Week 14, Sunday action in the books, and a lot to talk about. Home stretch. So much to talk about. A lot of good games going into the game. Although it, they didn't turn oh, out to be great. Games. Not every game was I'm great. saying of ugly games. A lot of as games well, I was Greg. excited about okay. maybe didn't deliver. Okay. Well, maybe you shouldn't have been so excited for the Rams. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone was excited for the Rams. Wes makes a good point. Um, before we uh, we started today, I haven't done this in a while. I thought you guys would, because I always value your input and feedback, because you're always honest and you have great. A ear for things. I've come up with some new NFL slogans as we move towards 2017. All right. Greg, you paying attention? All right. Okay. <laughs> the NFL, you worry about ratings. I'll just enjoy the bone-crunching hits. Love that. It's a good start. I feel like that's off message. Is it problematic in terms of the yeah. violence of the game? Yeah. That, that's I feel like the same people who took away our music might take away that slogan. Okay. Let me stay away from that one. All right. The NFL. National Football League, or is it no way? Fun excitement. Like it, I do. <laughs> it's a bit much uh, verbally. Did you pick up the Yeah, there acronym? was the acronym, a very stretched out acronym with multiple words between. It'd be tough to fit that onto a commercial. You know what I mean? You know, when you're just thinking of writing uh, it out, it's a lot of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is the soul of wit, Dan. Okay, last one. I'm over two, but you know. Not giving up yet. NFL action. Way better than your kids, but you don't need to tell them that. Love it. <laughs> Love that's, it. That's Hey, you said what we're thinking. Hey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back to the drawing board. No, I think you nailed it on that last one. The third one? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that you did. I would, I would go back to the drawing board and come up with more. Yeah, maybe that one of those you know sneak through as well. All right, listeners, let me know if uh, if any of those seem like one hundred percent hardcore winners. A lot of games to get to. Um, of course, the Sunday night football game between the Giants and Cowboys is where we'll close things. But uh, with every team playing this weekend, uh, we have uh, fourteen games to talk about today. And I believe the best thing to do, guys, is to get right to uh, get right to business. And where better to start uh, than Lambeau Field? Rogers shotgun with a setback to his right. Snapped A-Rod dancing to the right. Looking. Lofts it. Right sidelines. Over the shoulder. Yes! Pass, and it's made by Devontae Adams. And he's gone for the touchdown. 67 yards. Oh, what a way to start. Dwayne Larravee, WTMJ. Here come the Packers. Aaron Rodgers fought through more leg issues and another excellent performance. And Russell Wilson threw a career worst five interceptions and the Packers 38-10 win over the Seahawks. 
the West, the Packers have won three straight and are once again looking like a power player in the NFC. Uh, but what what about the, the Seahawks? Is this what life without Earl Thomas is going to be like? Maron. I wouldn't jump to that conclusion. This was a okay. comprehensive dismantling of the Seahawks by the Packers. That's not to say on a neutral field on a different day it would have wound up the same way. The bounces literally went the Packers' way in this game. A lot of interceptions bounced either out of receivers' hands or off a defensive back's uh, shoulder pads. It was it was a game where the luck went on the Packers' side, but they also played really well. And I think about the Packers now as the 2014 Packers or the 2011 mm, Packers, mm, mm. not the October and November Packers. And to Mark's credit, he's been on this for about eight days now, just assuming the <laughs> Packers will be in the playoffs. That was sort of Good a job, backhanded. Mark. Is that a backhanded compliment? I think no. you were being genuine there. No, no I mean, Mark I, is a visionary. He is. He is. He gave up on rooting against the Packers for a reason. He knows they will be playing in January. I mean, mine. That's came, one way to look at this. But okay, mine came probably less from you know all twenty-two coaches' film and more from uh, just a resigned sense that my mid-season campaign to get them out of the postseason to think I was ahead of that was faulty and could not have been more off base. They're going to do what they always do. They're going to go play in January. Green Bay fans, you had about two weeks there to have a tough time as a fan. It's like six weeks. Well, maybe yeah. it was a little bit rough. Yeah. You know, you went through a real time of, you know, it, it probably Self-doubt. changed your character and emboldened you, but now you're back where you belong <laughs> as the most fun fan base, having more fun than anyone else wow. ever possibly could. Right. You Enjoy really, you really hold it. it against the fans that they've had had too good of a Yes, time. I do. Only, only in Mark's world is it a bad thing to have fun as a football fan. <laughs> uh, no, I just want to have it too. How about, yeah. how about the Seahawks fair. team? being so bad consistently on the road. I mean, you can't say year to year that they're like this necessarily, but they lost to the Rams on the road. They lost to the Bucks on the road. They lost to the Saints on the road. They're not even competitive in this game. I know they beat the Patriots, but this is a team now with four losses and a tie. Obviously, we know to win the NFC, they're almost certainly going to have to go on the road, and, and they now have some work to do to get that by in the NFC. Well, I think people have said for a long time that bad offensive lines don't travel. And that's probably the biggest weakness on this team. So that's one factor. And the defense today, I'm not ready to say just because Earl Thomas wasn't there, this is what we should expect. Aaron Rodgers was to the point – he was in the zone to the point where he was doing heat checks. Mm. He was that hot early on. And I think Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams are playing as well as any tandem of wideouts in the league right now. I don't know. How does any defense come in and stop – what I saw of this game where Aaron Rodgers was absolutely zeroed in. I think it's you put an interesting nugget in your in your write up about Troy Aikman, who sits with the teams late week, said that he had and he saw an energy coming from this group that he's not seen all season or in a long time. You can see that on the field. The defense which was getting crushed is in the last three games, today gave up what, ten points, has given up thirteen, thirteen and ten points. They, what a turnaround. They pressured Wilson throughout. Uh, six turnovers by the Seahawks, nine quarterback hits by the Packers defense, seven passes defensed, and three sacks. This is not the Packers defense you were seeing in, in November. Well, and, and one thing that's been consistent from week one with the Packers, they have among, if not the best pass protection in the league. I mean, it is right there. And when you can do that against this group, you know, look, Earl Thomas isn't playing on the defensive line. When you can do that against the Seahawks, and, and you know, looking by the box score in terms of QB hits, three QB hits all day, he had time. I mean, you're getting something done. You're going to have a chance. I have one concern here. 
if I'm a Green Bay fan who's feeling very good right now, Aaron Rodgers' body is a little beat up right now. And he had the hamstring issue, and now he has a calf issue, I believe, on the other leg. And if you remember, a calf issue really blew up a season of his a couple of years ago. And well, this is just something to track now as we head into the final games of the regular season. He, if he's limited, that is a major piece of this. The first, you can say, 45 minutes of this game were so reminiscent of that a- NFC Championship game in 2014 mm. from Russell Wilson's interceptions to Rodgers' calf injury, which he was playing through in that game. And they're going to have to keep winning. I mean, at 7-6, and six, they still have a lot of a work left to do to get into the playoffs. They might have to win those last I, three games. Not saying they can't, but they, they might. that's my – At what this point, I'll be surprised if they lose another regular season game. Mm. So the NFC North is really heating up now. The Lions, could they keep up and stay ahead of the Packers? Well, let's talk about that. Stafford's got it. Back, looks, looks. Back it up, looking for somewhere to go. Stafford's going to tuck it and run. Stafford at the 5, 3, 2, 1, and so Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh, Matthew took it home. That is one tough quarterback. <laughs> Got to be Matthew. Do not call him Matt. Dan Miller, WJR, with a nice call there. They did it again. Matthew Stafford bounced back from a disastrous pick six to lead the Lions to another comeback victory, this time a 2017 win over the Chicago Bears to keep Detroit in the NFC North driver's seat, now at 9-4. and four. Whoa! And uh, the Lions are 9-4, and four, and they've won again, and they're in first place halfway through December. So maybe it's time to get a, get a friend on the phone. You know, find a friend. Been a long time. Uh, is that what they call that on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Too long. Phone a friend. Phone a friend. He is our Good sh- current reference there. Thank you. i surprised Thank it wasn't you. Wes's. You are the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Different show. Good one, though. I liked it. Our Chicago correspondent, but of course, a big Motown fan. He is Kevin Patrick coming at you. What's up, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Getting me pumped with that Dan Miller call right there. Yeah, you Dan, gotta love Danny. Yeah, Dan Miller's <laughs> a, a a good a good play by play guy. I remember when I did the pain rankings, I interviewed him because he had the famous call, Patra, after the 0-16 season, which I'll spare you his his famous line at the end of the season. But it shows you how far we've come now since 2008. The Lions are in a really good position. What did you see in this game? Because I watched this game fairly closely, and this was not their best effort, but once again they found a way. And that's that's what we've been all all year. I mean, again, they trailed for the 12th time in 13 games in the fourth quarter after Matthew Stafford's pick six, which was just just not a good throw. He didn't have his best game today. He got hurt early. Uh, reports are, you know, that he's got a dislocated middle finger tendon mm. hurt in there. He didn't play well. He's, the Lions have done this several times. They barely beat the Jags, squeaked out against the Vikings twice. Um, you know, but you, you sometimes you play down your competition, but good teams keep winning, and that's what you need to do to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I thought that the Bears have showed a little pluck here with Matt Barkley, so I don't think it was necessarily, you know, the Lions had a, a terrible day. I thought Chicago played well, but at the same time, Wes, I know you're not a big fan of this Lions team, uh, but there has to be something to be said about their ability to continue to win games, and all of a sudden now they're 9-4. and four. They, could, they could get to that 11-win mark and possibly even get a bye. Anything's possible here. They could get to the 11-win win mark, and they could stay at 9. They have the legitimacy bull next week at the Giants. <laughs> oh, I like which, that. Which one of these teams is legitimate? And then they play the Cowboys and Packers, and the Packers and, oh. the Packers and Cowboys might be the two best teams in the NFC right now. So I think – 
saying that the Lions are going to win 11 games, I mean, I'm going to need to believe it. I would like to ask Kevin, how do you rate this Lions team? Do you think they're legitimately uh, a legitimate playoff team? I think with the mediocrity that's throughout the NFL, yeah, they're they're a lower level playoff team. I, I mean, I said coming into the season, they're they're an eight and eight team that could be two, could win ten games, and could win six games. And that's who they are. They've squeaked out a few games here and there. They lost a couple earlier in the year that they should have won. So that's where that's where you're back at. You're a nine and four with eight and eight talent overall at depth. I thought Terrell Austin has had a great last few games. I agree. Um, they've been been used a, a lot more a lot more schemes with three safeties, such and such. So I think that the talent, getting Jondre Levy back this week, mm. he didn't play a ton early, but you can see the difference in his tackling at the line of scrimmage and the run defense. I think that's going to be big against the Cowboys and the Packers to close out the season. I mean, okay, that's, that's the analysis side of whether or not we view them to be a legitimate playoff team. Kevin, we've known you for about a half a decade now, you're one of the iciest, uh, most cynical fans out there. And I think that's because you're realistic and you've been through utter hell. You've got to be enjoying this. You've got one loss since October 2nd. How does it feel for you? Does this team just get taken right off that pain rankings after this? Kevin, before you answer that question, just no. know that that is one of the highest compliments Mark could give anyone to call you an icy, cynical fan. <laughs> you are! Oh, I, I am, I am, I'm purely aware of, uh, of Mark's compliments and i take it as compliment, <laughs> frankly i don't think i didn't take it as a shot at all just clarify uh, because, because i i don't think west is wrong in his analysis of the upcoming schedule i i mean as a lions fan i've been waiting for this for to fall off the cliff for the last three weeks mm. to be honest with you mm. that's why i thought the saints win was so impressive and so huge because if they lost that because i think this guy would have fallen um but the ways the packers are playing having to go on the road matthew stafford is a different quarterback outside than he is in a dome. They haven't played outside since the week four loss against Chicago, which is kind of ridiculous to think about. So I think that game is huge, especially with his finger. We don't know how much it's going to affect. Right. That's a big, today, but that's big. In the cold, how, how, how do you, you don't know how it's going to react after, after, after a week. Maybe rehab helps. Maybe he, it stiffens up and he can't throw in the cold. You know, they don't, don't know want any of that. They don't want to talk about it in Oakland, but I, I, I really do think that the, the, the finger for Derek Carr played a big role in his struggles on Thursday night. And now you have a middle finger injury. He's throwing with a glove. Whenever you, you never want your quarterback in those situations where he's putting the glove on and they're talking about it on the sidelines and all that stuff. So that is something big to watch. But, uh, Kevin, before we say goodbye, just I know you're a cynical man. But you were in Chicago when the Cubs ended ended the ended their long drought. How about a little magic run in Motown this year? Whoa. A couple playoff wins. They've been showing it that they could take 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 victory from the jaws of defeat. How about a little magic run this season? How about that? <laughs> yeah. How about the positive you look at it? You know, I was in LA when the Kings uh, ended their drought. Not as long. I was. I'm here for the Cubs. Maybe I should move home back home Ooh. for the end, so the Lions can then end their. Historic drought. How about just ending the uh, not having a home playoff game drought? It's been since 1993 before yeah. that fans could even go to a playoff game. Let's just do that. you got to win probably one more game. I think that Giants game win is Win two of three, and you're going to be the division winner most likely. But we shall see. Uh, Kevin Patrick, how's your body, by the way? <laughs> My body's doing great. God, doing great. I love it's your body. Winter, so and you that's know, you gotta, you total respect. Workout. Yeah. What do you, right now it's the winter, so you're, you're, it's more bulk, right? Bulking, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. Push-ups, pull-ups. Got to do them. Send, send me some private uh, Chasing chickens, texts. climbing stairs. 
Matt Barkley, by the way, has made some money. Last uh, year. Yes, he has. He has made a career. He's going to be in the NFL. a ton of money, but he's – Oh, a lot of money. He's going to be in the NFL scary. now about eight, ten more years. He'll probably get seven or eight million it, next year. It's great to be a backup quarterback. You it go out hurts. late season, and in a loss, you perform just a little bit above average for a couple weeks in a row, and you've extended your career probably half a decade. Yep. He's better than a lot of backups. Mm. To be fair, he, he got hosed on the last drive. He, he had him in field goal range with two separate really nice throws across the middle and got two holding calls that just ripped the drive apart. Holding he, calls, he got drops, I mean, enough. I mean, this Bears team, I can't, I can't watch them. All right, Kevin, uh, we'll <laughs> catch up with you later, buddy. Appreciate it, guys. See Have ya. a great one. Let's move on and check in uh, on, in the AFC and the defending Super Bowl champions. Simeon dropping, looking. Pumping, throwing, got it complete to Derby. Is tight end. He lost the ball. The ball stripped. Titan ball. Derby made the catch. Williamson raked it out. And the Titans have come up with the recovery. Avery, that was Mike Keith of WGFX. Avery Williamson sealed the game, and the Titans are tied for first place in the AFC South after a 13-10 win over the Denver Broncos. Chris Wessling, we'll get to the Titans in just a little bit, but let's start with the defending champs. Do you think they're in serious danger of missing the playoffs right now? Yes. Whoa! I I think even their fans would admit they're in serious danger of missing the playoffs. They have a tough schedule remaining. This was a game they had to win, and they have problems in the run game on both sides of the ball. If they miss the playoffs, they're going to look back at the season, and they're going to look forward to next season saying, how do we fix our offensive line and rushing attack on offense, and how do we plug our holes on defense in the running game? Right. You look at the box score, and Marcus Mariota completed six passes of 20 for 88 yards, and you managed to lose the game. Explain it to me. I, haven't, I, didn't, I didn't see the game. This wasn't a game for, let's see, the first three and a half quarters at least, almost, well, the first three quarters. The fake punt from Riley Dixon was the one thing that got the Broncos jump-started. It happened with four minutes to go in the third quarter. And then Simeon hit Demarius Thomas, and the two of them connected for you know the final 20 minutes of the game. But the Titans ran all over the Broncos early. Uh, and really should have jumped out to a 20-point lead, but two Delaney Walker red zone penalties mm. oh, cost them seven points, and Chris Harris got away with a couple of pass interferences in the end zone, but this was all Titans in the first half. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw this, exactly what you said, it was not a close game on any level, and I feel like it's every single week we're looking at Denver's rushing output, and today two yards per carry, and you've got 51 attempts from Trevor Simeon. This is the exact opposite of what Gary Kubiak would want to do with a first-year starter. You want to pound the ball with the run, control the game with your defense, and have Simeon doing less. And it's game after game where they're not able to run their offense the way they should. Simeon's one of their best offensive players. I like Simeon, but, I mean, you you can't get through the playoffs running the ball for 20 yards, 30 yards a game. Trevor Simeon's doing fine, but they are are putting too much – they're asking him to do too much and to save the season, and that's not fair to the guy. When you're rushing for 18 yards in the game, nine carries, I mean, that's ridiculous numbers. And then – your defense on the other end, if you're not if you're not going to run the ball, you better be as good as you were last year and you give up 180 yards on the ground. 167 yards, I think, by 32 minutes into the game. By two minutes into the second half, mm. they had given up 167 yards on the ground. And this five times they've allowed 140 or more yards on the ground. That only happened once last year, and it was in mid-September. 
they got better throughout the season, whereas this team, I think their run defense has gotten worse throughout the what season. What do you think is uh, – Although the, the Titans the, scored 13 points. It needs to be pointed out. Whether they had some bad breaks or not, if you can hold a team to 13 points on 11 drives, nah. any flow of the game nah. – it no? seemed dominant give, early on. Can't I mean, give the Broncos defense credit in this game. The Titans blew too many opportunities, and then like Mike Malarkey, as want to do, pulled his foot off the gas pedal. You, I, I am not giving the Broncos credit for this for 13 points. Okay. I mean, 4.4 yards per attempt. I'll watch. I'm just saying they gave their team a chance to win towards the end. They got the ball back right at the end. And, and the Titans Fowler have, dropped the go-ahead touchdown. And the Titans have given up late leads. The Broncos have come back late. If, if he catches that go-ahead touchdown, then we're singing a, a whole different story. What you do can, you think is at the core of a run defense that's come apart here? Well, you the defensive line isn't very good. I, I think last year Malik yeah. Jackson was a very good player. Derek Wolf is a good player. But now you've got Jared Crick, Sylvester Williams are your two best linemen maybe, and that's not very good. It's crazy that they signed Forsett this week and he comes in and is their leading rusher with 17 and, yards. Except I mean, it's not crazy. It I mean, for all of us that have all. watched the Broncos, Devontae Booker is not a lead back yeah, at this point. He's at best a complimentary piece. It's not getting it done. A 13-10 final. If somebody would have told me that you were asking Trevor Simeon to throw it 51 times in a 13-10 game, they're all out of whack right now. And it, I, if they don't figure it out very soon – the season's going to slip away. I think here's they missed Danny Trevathan, too. Yes. And here's what's especially telling about that backfield. Justin Forsett took over on passing downs mm. in his first game, and he's been the least effective receiver out of the backfield of any running back over the past couple And years. I'm glad Tennessee won this game, by the way. They got a tough schedule coming up, but they they now have a nice little path to win this AFC South and make the playoffs more interesting. Go Titans. Let's check out uh, some other action in the AFC South. Here we go. The Colts have to get a yard here to keep this game going. Luck out of the gun. He's going to throw it. Dropping. Now moving to his right. Throwing. And it is incomplete. At the last second, he just tried to flip it underneath to Robert, Robert Turbin. And now the Texans can go down to a knee and win this game on the road. Come back to us, Colts. Brandon God and Westwood won sports. The Texans aren't dead yet. Houston rolled up 185 yards on the ground and got the big stop in the final minutes uh, to preserve a 22-17 road win over the Colts, uh, who looked like a very different team on Monday night against the Jets. Greg, it was another underwhelming performance by Brock Osweiler, but the Texans survived in a big spot. They, they somehow have this formula, and it might actually get them to the playoffs, that, that they can make enough defensive plays, and Lamar Miller can have a big day, and the entire running game can win to win this lousy division. I mean, Brandon McKinney breaks up that screen pass at the end. He's played well all year. Jadavian Clowney had another big-time game. Forced fumble, sack fumble in the red zone. Uh, had another big play on one of Andrew Luck's interceptions. You know, caused a, a penalty. That's all great. Whitney Merciless is great. But these are two bad teams. I, I watched this game, and I just thought neither of these teams deserve to be in the playoffs. I don't think either one of them really played great on Sunday, and it was just a really disappointing, sloppy effort from the Colts. All right, so is this – I feel like the the AFC South and a lot of teams are just a week-to-week proposition for the most part, but is this a tremendous indictment of a Jets team that potentially just did <laughs> oh, not try on Monday Night Football? I'm asking because of coming out of Monday I mean, Night Football, the Colts to me looked like a team that wanted to win this division, that it discovered itself. We talked about them on Tuesday as a team coming into its own. Six days later, you get this. Oh, no, you're right. It, the, the 
a, every all these teams in the AFC South, I include the Titans are right. a week to week proposition. They're they're a bad six and seven team. The t- Texans are a bad seven and six. They deserve credit, but the problems that the Colts have had throughout the year in terms of their offensive line, Andrew Luck got hit thirteen times. In terms of their lack of wide receiver depth, Dante Moncrief went out with an injury. He's been hurt a lot this year. Dorsett comes in, gets targeted eight times. They get nineteen yards on those eight. He Dorsett. had his ball his had his ball, you know, hands on the ball on three of those. You could call him drops. You could call him, a, you know, tough catches, whatever. And Andrew Luck didn't play a good game. You know, he said he was disappointed in himself. Only one of the three turnovers were on him, but he missed passes anyways. Dorsett has been a debilitating draft pick for yep. that franchise that needed offensive linemen and pass rushers, went with a wide receiver, and he just doesn't make plays. And you just see penalties, and you see situations like on Clowney's sack fumble. Uh, they had Dwayne Allen, you know, just blocking him one-on-one, and they asked Pagano, and he's just like, that was the protection scheme for that play. And it's just stuff like that that happens where it's not a clean team, not good coaching. This Texans team really depresses me, and I think it's fitting <laughs> that West of us started because it was the week every year where the Texans hand the Bengals their playoff defeat. <laughs> so I think it's only fitting that they could be a surrogate for the Bengals. No, they are the heir. They no, are the, the heir. Titans are playing them in week 17, and now the Colts are in really deep trouble. They, they're just about out of it. And if the Titans can just take care of business against Houston – Get the Titans. All right, but you are you are you are a glow. How excited are you about <laughs> this division glow. in general? I mean, it's it just I like the Titans best. I just in the want a better. Too, I, mean, I just want on. a better playoff game. Is all. Brock Osweiler, by the way, it it what's worth noting. Terrible game, but he did make two or three throws on a key fourth down drive that essentially helped salt this game away. His best two or three throws of the day. So yeah, that's accurate on that. If you I only can't believe it, <laughs> oh, that'll right. buy him a long lead. He also had the ultimate. Uh, uh, play where where that sound drop was yeah. fitting, where he puts his head over his hands after an interception just because he, he just couldn't believe All it. All pro quarterbacks. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> Don't make that uh, hand gesture. Uh, let's. There is one more team in the AFC South, and they uh, took on the team of ATL. Bradford's under center, play action. Sam rolls out to the right, looking for Ellison. Now he throws to Rudolph. Touchdown! Bradford to Kyle Rudolph, and the Vikings have taken a 24-16 lead. And for Kyle Rudolph, that is his 28th touchdown as a Viking. How exciting. Uh, that is Paul Allen of KFAN. The, the team of ATL showed a pulse on Sunday, rolling up over 400 yards of total offense. Oh, yeah. In a 25-16 win over um, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Whoa. Who locked this one up? I locked it up. Hey, All right. The one man still supporting the team. Of oh, Asia. yeah. It, lollipop. Oh, wow. Oh. oh, for those listening on the podcast, Dan just handed me a lollipop. Got a lollipop right there. Thank you. Sent to us by the listeners uh, mm. who have been shipping hundreds of lollipops. They got a lollipop. Answers. So you got a lollipop. You know, uh, take the win. You get needed the win. Need to stay in the mix. You got you got the game done. You got it done. But, you know, you, you got excited about this. Oh, people say, well, you know, you, you don't. You don't get a lollipop for beating the Jaguars. Everyone beats the Jaguars. No, I you just know gave what? you one. Well, that's true. I guess. Well, that is seven straight losses for the Jaguars. Well, that's fair. They're, the Vikings offense had their best day of the season. So you're, cool. if you're wow. Look, if you're, really? Really? After that early start? Absolutely. Wow. Most yards all season. Their play inside the three-yard line was embarrassing. The fact that I could say this was their best offensive day of the season. It was the most yards they had. They basically went up and down the field on Jacksonville. They had three plays over 40 yards. If you just watch this game, you wouldn't think that this is an imbalanced team. You would have thought, you know, the defense gave up some drives there to Blake Bortles. 
Look, I'm not giving up on this team. I tried to get the group excited no, during please. this game, and no on. one, ga- no one even Greg, cared. It's what, what, what we've learned so it's far shameful. in this broadcast is that you couldn't be more the patron saint of seven and six teams heading nowhere. That's fine, and it's a nice win. If they had ever lost this game, what would we be saying about Minnesota? You got to go in and take care of this. What's game. shameful is getting excited about <laughs> any Jaguars game, whether you win or lose. Well, what, what's shameful is locking up a game involving a two and eleven team. But oh, oh, that's not true. Uh, it's a whole other discussion. You know, we, we were we were doing huzzas over when we swept four games when half of those teams were like Huzzah! touchdown favorites. Relax. Uh, nice job, New Money. I uh, love it, New Money. All I'm saying is you saw some nice things out of the offense. The defense without Harrison Smith, that's a big big time concern. Let me ask you a question. You've got the Colts, which okay, the Colts flat out have the potential to stink, but then you play the Packers and the Bears if you're the Vikings playoff team. No. I think they can get to nine wins. Before today, I thought that would have had a better chance to make the playoffs than I do now. I, even if they win two of those three, I, I don't think nine wins is going to get you in. Here's a Cecil. They're going to horrifically blow another game. One more. That they have no business losing, that they find a way to lose through bad special well, That would be oh, the Bears in Week and, 17. And that terrible. should have happened today. They had, they had two different times that they were inside the three-yard line that they didn't score a point. Okay. Two different times because their running game is so bad. Let's talk about the best player in the NFL in week 14. Third and two at the three. Ben in the shotgun. Bill show blitz. And he hands it off. And here's Bell down to the goal line. Did he get in? He's in. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell. And that for Le'Veon. His fourth rushing touchdown. And the Steelers punch it in. He would have two more in this game. That is Bill Hillgrove of WDVE. My goodness, Le'Veon Bell was a monster on Sunday, collecting 298 total yards from scrimmage and on 42 touches, literally carrying the Steelers to a 27-20 to win over the Buffalo Bills at New Harris. Whoa! Oh, the Sessler! Mark, there's no meat in this. Here's a lollipop. Thank you, sir. Congratulations. Uh, Mark, Pittsburgh won on a day in which Ben Roethlisberger threw three picks and no touchdowns. But what does this tell you about the Steelers? Well, it tells me how versatile they are when they we, – we said last week you're going to get in these games the good Steelers or the bad Steelers. This is the good Steelers. A, the defense played a great game, number one. I think the defense is something we don't talk about a lot with Pittsburgh, but they played on the road, in the snow, one of their better games. Secondly – they came out throwing the ball. I thought that they the game plan was to be to air it out against Buffalo's secondary, which has given up a lot of big plays this year all day long. 150 yards for Big Ben, about a quarter in, and it looked like that was the way it's going to go. Then when the turnovers came, you know, Big Ben threw three, like you said. It, at the, when the second one hit and it had taken more points away from Pittsburgh, they seemed to shift to a let's make Le'Veon Bell the beginning and the end of this offense for the rest of this game, and 236 yards rushing, a franchise record. I grew up hating the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were an absolute joy to watch today because the way that Le'Veon Bell... You were giddy. Downstairs. Well, because, you know, you there's a lot of stuff that happens every week, and there's so much stuff thrown in your face over the course of a Sunday that it's easy to become desensitized to all sorts of highlights and big plays and happenings. 
impossible to watch this game and not be mesmerized by Le'Veon Bell, what he did. And, you know, I wrote a column last week and I was getting killed by it for saying that the Steelers were much higher in terms of AFC playoff potential teams we could trust over teams like the Chiefs and others. And I understand the whole Chiefs thing. Good for them. They're blowing up on Twitter. Just fan bases. And I get it. You're going to be a turn. When the Steelers are playing the way they can on offense, they can take down anyone in the AFC. They got to show they can do it in January. Absolutely. Le'Veon Bell, Wes, is the best running back in football. Well, you have to put him up with David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, it changes every week. Ezekiel Elliott's in the MVP discussion. Right. And David Johnson is... I think Bell could, you know, if he didn't miss the three games, which is a big if, then he, to me, would be right there in the MVP. I think he's already going to be there. Right. If, you're, if you Gotta put be. Tom Brady in, you're putting Le'Veon Bell He is getting more yards per scrimmage per game before this week when he just put up 290. Then he was in the top you know, 10 to 15 of all time with that. He's averaging 161 <laughs> yards. That's the first 10 games of his season, which is the highest total since Jim Brown in 1960. That's right. His metrics put him up there with Jim Brown. He's in wow. a category of people that over the course of the first 30 games puts him up there with Edge James, Eric Dickerson, Marcus Allen, Arian Foster. It's all legit. With all, all that said, you got to be careful about 42 touches. That's the type of thing that, that, that ruins season, that that hurts players. And it's like, been it's been week after week. 42 is outrageous. My favorite metric is four seasons – I've now sit across from Mark on Sundays, and that was the most uh, outburst of unbridled joy mm. that one player has inspired on a Sunday afternoon. You had at least four outbursts where you were yelling about Le'Veon I, Bell's spectacular. Lev bursts. I think I it's a, great. Lev bursts. Lev burst. I have a I have a theory that you have, and you've said it, and I believe you. You've detached from the Browns, and it's freed you up on Sundays to experience joy while watching football. There's something that? to be said for that. I mean, there's nothing else you can do with, with the Cleveland situation, but Pittsburgh also, I see great potential in them. And they, It's like there's so many teams well, that are so middle of the road and milk toast and dull to me right now that it's fun to watch like a team Vikings go out and Tides. dominate. Uh, well, the Bills, well, all these seven and yeah. six teams that we're getting overexcited about. The yeah. Bills on the other side. Um, let's hear from Rex Ryan, who before this game even started, uh, their reports surfaced in two different outlets. Uh, that his job was in such jeopardy that he could lose it as soon as Monday. You could be listening to this, and Rex Ryan could be fired, uh, possibly, but that he is in grave danger of his uh, Bills career ending. Let's hear what he had to say when asked directly about that. It's the first I've heard about, a rumor about it or whatever. Why? Well, I, I, I never did until you guys just said something, so that'll probably tell you how true it is. I don't believe that at all. I think Rex obviously was plugged in uh, when all this stuff was flying around this morning. But uh, I guess, I guess, I guess, Greg, that w- that Ryan is is done no matter what happens here because it sounds like there's more going on behind the scenes that we than we know about. Well, oh, very hot butt. I, you would think so. You would think whoever's telling this to these reporters has an agenda. And maybe that person is closer to the top of the food chain there in Buffalo than Rex is. That there's some sort of internal. Talking about Doug Whaley? I don't know. Or it's just ownership. Who knows? That that there's some sort of discord. It wouldn't be the first coach to have di- discord with Doug Whaley. Not at all. I, I talked to someone. Uh, Who knows? Maybe the... they both get cleaned out if they if they lose three straight. You know, it's a long way to go still. I talked to somebody at the Super Bowl last year that was close to the situation that said Rex was all but done last year, and they had a, a late reprieve changing their mind. So he was there was a lot of bad blood last year, and he's not doing enough apparently Here, here's with the one Bills thing. at 6 and 7 now. I mean, so they've got the Browns and Jets and Dolphins, and, and maybe right, a Dolphins team with no Ryan Tannehill. So I – 
I'm typically anti-Rex Ryan for various reasons, but I, I don't think that, that he's been the main problem. I do, though, look at a defense that got absolutely wiped away by the Raiders in the second half, and then today it's, they were outgained about 460 yards to 228. Wow. Pittsburgh just had its way. Not good. Had its way. You see this with new ownership a lot. You know, their first hire lasts about a year or two, and then they get antsy and they, they want to make a new change. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Tannehill. Let's check in on the Miami Dolphins. Matt Moore gets rid of it. Open is Stills. He's got it. There's a flag down, and he's down. Inside the two. The value of an experienced backup quarterback. He knew where to go with it. That was Matt Moore with the pass, and we'll get to that in a minute. Chris Myers of Fox with the call there. That Kenny Stills reception set the stage for the clinching field goal in a 26-23 Dolphins win over the Cardinals. Oh, no. You know, I had this. No, you no. Could, you could have had it. Oh, oh, no lollipop for you. How dare you? I dare you. I, I, thought, I thought perhaps the Cardinals would steal this. They wiped away a late deficit, but um, – this is ultimately a, a Pyrrhic victory for the Dolphins, who lost, who likely lost Ryan Tannehill for the season with a knee injury that Rap Sheet reports is believed to be a torn ACL. Uh, it came on a play where Clayus Campbell uh, kind of went in low and got Tannehill uh, in the lower leg area, and there was a um, sad moment on the sideline. This in the fourth quarter as the Cardinals were making their comeback. Uh, where uh, Tannehill now in street clothes was holding back uh, tears and wiping his eyes as different teammates were coming up to them, and I believe he was telling them the news, and uh, everyone was kind of reacting in real time. It was kind of a crazy moment for a team that now is 8-5 and five and in good playoff positioning, but barring some type of miracle in the, uh, you know, any type of testing follow-up, goes with Matt Moore the rest of the way, Wes, and what does that mean for the Dolphins? Matt Moore, to me, I hold in the same regard as Sean Hill. Guys, that the last time you saw them play in the regular season was like 2011, and they held their own. And when you see them now in the preseason or spotty play in the regular season, they look like their body just isn't there anymore to handle it's been a while. throwing 30 or 40 passes a game. It's like a car sitting in a driveway for five years. It's not going to be the same He's not, a, you know, in, if, if you want to make the case for it, not as old, 32 years old, not too old for a quarterback. Also not very good for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was never a stud. I mean, he had his moments. He's okay. He's a perfectly adequate quarterback. But Wes is right. He has basically gone into mothballs now because Tannehill has been fairly, um, you know. You know, has missed a, yeah, a game. Very I don't know if he's, he's been very durable. Uh, but now all of a sudden you throw Matt Moore into the middle of a playoff chase in December. I don't like Miami's chances. I don't think you should like their chances. You can. This was a slop fest game. It's hard to take a lot from it. One thing you can take is that Miami's defensive line, which was invisible last week, pushed around an Arizona offensive line that is injury ravaged and has been a liability all year. So you can, if you're a Dolphins team, if a Dolphins fan, you can say, "Look, that was a promising game from our defense," but I, you have to be concerned about the quarterback. Well, here's what I think a Matt Moore-led team could do: is beat a Bryce Petty-led team. Yeah, or possible. potentially beat this Bills team. So while they're, this team's ceiling was always fairly low in terms of playoff run, you know, I, I think they're, they're, they still have a chance there to win those two games, and that probably gets you in the playoffs. Well, that gets you I don't think a, Matt Moore necessarily kills you. Assuming that you'd get wiped out in Week 17 against the Patriots, who probably will still be fighting for that number one seed in the, in the, in the regular season finale, mm. that gets you to 10-6, and six, 
And there are 10 and 6 teams that don't get into the playoffs. Oh. It happens every year, but but if you're a Dolphins fan, what it's it's got it's your, weird. your emotions weird have feeling. to be all over the place. Yeah. You've lost Stop. your starting quarterback and you may get into the playoffs. Ugh. Let's let's face it though, Greg. You said, you know, it's not the end of it's over. They're they're done. Because even if they do somehow get into the playoffs, if they had Tannehill, I don't think Tannehill, they had any chance to do anything with Tannehill. Uh, yeah, probably either. not. But at least you kind of have, maybe something magical happens with Tannehill. The light goes on and stays on. For all intents and purposes, their season ended. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, if they go ten and six, playoffs or not, this season looked utterly lost for Miami a few yeah, months nice back. Job. So you have to say. First year, Adam Gase, nice job. And so much for our one-week um, excitement over the Cardinals where maybe they could have made a run here. They're leading the, wider The, the game, team though. we forked like two weeks ago? <laughs> the leading, it was a tsunami of this game. It was kind of a sloppy, weird game. I'm wondering, by the way. Not, the leading wide receiver at 18 yards. Yeah, is, it, what are, what are, where are the Cardinals at now 5-7-1? and one. Uh, We don't want to get stuck on this topic too long. But 5-7-1, three more turnovers for Carson Palmer today. Again, bad weather conditions. But uh, they have to figure out what their, what their situation is. Is he done, Wes? No. And I'm surprised by how many people are assuming he's done or that he's going to retire. Not retire, but is, is he in harsh decline now at this stage, do you think? I think his, there's nothing wrong with his arm. I think he's throwing as strong as he ever has. His pocket movement is not as strong as it was last year, and that's highlighted by an offensive right. line and an offense that still asked him to take seven step, step drops and hold the ball. And that's the way Bruce He played Aaron's. great over the last three weeks. I really believe that. Why don't – Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's the way Arians runs his offense, and he's not going to change it even if he has a bad offensive line. So you're going to have a bad season. All right, let's move on and check in, check in on the NFC. Uh, maybe the 2017 team of ATL. You never know. Breeze drops back to pass, throws left, and it's intercepted! That's the ball game! Tandy. Keith Tandy with his second interception of the year. It's the third interception for Breeze today. And the Buccaneers with 51 seconds left to play in the fourth quarter will just have the victory formation. Whoa, Tom McCarthy, Westwood won sports. Should we put that one into consideration for the top 10 calls of the year? I mean, it's nice. No, okay. I would say no. Didn't stand out to me. Okay. The Bucks keep surging. And this time they leaned hard on their defense to secure a 16-11 to 11 win. Uh, their fifth straight. This is the first time since 2002 that Tampa Bay has won five straight. And we all know how that ha- what happened that year, right, Mark? Absolutely. What happened, Mark? Lots of good things happened for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that year. Specifically? A Super Bowl victory. All right, Mark. <laughs> I wasn't even listening, so looks that like, was a pure uh, guess. Yeah, it looks it. like Old West, not the only historian around here. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, the ceiling probably isn't that high for this Bucks team, uh, but they just might be the sneaky team nobody wants to play if they can extend their season to January. I think it's incredibly sneaky that Mark Cecil was assigned to a game that involved two Greg Rosenthal pet teams, but I'll try to pet get teams. a point out here before Greg Whoa. jumps in. I will tell you one thing. Shots fired. No, it's exactly. not a shot fired. Whoa. I can just see Greg salivating to discuss this game. The derision. Typically, though, when we do talk about the Bucks, it starts with Jameis Winston. It's the opposite today. You know, they, they started out well on offense, but it is the second week in a row that safety Keith Tandy, game-winning pick, it seems like no matter what the week is, someone new is stepping up for this defense. There isn't a real weakness for a unit that Mike Smith, a lot of uh, jokes made about Mike Smith in this studio in the past. Since hey, week boss. 10, 12.3 
points per game allowed by the Bucks, which I think that makes them more of a serious threat to teams than necessarily what's happening on offense, which I think a lot of what happens with the Bucks offense is a little bit of smoke and mirrors behind a very talented quarterback. Their run game is not especially strong. They couldn't take this game away from the Saints when they needed to today on offense. That said, I mean, this was a st- – we watched this, Greg, down the stretch. It is a strange game, and if we want to get into it later, there was a very strange way to end the first half. But give me your thoughts. What? These are your two teams, <laughs> baby. Me on the spot. They're your two teams. Give me your thoughts. Well, they're the <laughs> NFC's Chiefs, and they beat the yeah. Chiefs in Kansas City. They do it with it's – a, it's a tough formula every week to just win with the turnover margin, but that's what they do every week. And that's Mike Smith's old – formula and it's working Quan Alexander and Levante David and Noah Spence and Hargraves the rookie they're, they're playing good team defense and you said it getting enough out of Winston it, it it seems like a lot of random plays where he's just kind of running around or throwing it up for Evans Cameron Brate's having a really good year but it's mostly the defense one of my favorite Mike Lombardiisms is you're one or two injuries away from being a good team the Buccaneers are a better <laughs> team with Keith Tandy in their starting lineup than Chris Conte. Oh, yeah, that's I right. I was so impressed with his interception last week. Yeah. He basically ran the route for the wide receiver and showed great ball skills in that play. It was the exact same thing th- this yeah. week to, to close out the game. And Breeze, by the way, ended up with no touchdowns, three interceptions, back-to-back weeks. First quarterback to do that since Tyler Palco. He got, he got some serious stink on him when I put him in the MVP race. That didn't help. Some, <laughs> I think that might have played. You're the kiss of death. By the way, Mark, how um, how would was it possible? Let me put it this way: that you can always set up any anal- analysis going forward by taking a shot at Greg and then throwing it to him it, in a kind of a it was not a, way. I, it, I, you know looking back, it probably looks like a shot at Greg. It's just that I found it funny that you know these have been. It's like if Greg were covering like a Browns versus Browns game. <laughs> Why would he be? Why was I assigned to this game? I can't put my head around it. But I quite enjoyed watching it. You know what? I got Steelers bills early. Ooh. I got this late. It was a good day. You think football. Greg did a good job there, staying out of the way long enough to let you get your points out before he jumped in? <laughs> I mean, I was quick to set the table because I could you feel did. it coming. It was like an air dirigible coming at my head. It was going to explode all over me. Nice I dirigible to just, job. You know, I needed to hand it over to Greg. He did an excellent job with his analysis. He's a pro. Yeah, and the, and the upset a pro. here is that I hadn't even brought brought up yet the whole sandwich factor of two Ooh. teams getting from the NFC South and one of them look is the you. Buccaneers and this is this look one's starting you. to look good well they're tied with the Falcons right now starting a team that I thought was going to run away with this division the Falcons you say how <laughs> you like that it's called a transition that's a pro at the top of his game Sid you and golf three steps <laughs> looks to the right and it's intercepted Deion Jones keeps his feet 20 15 10 5 Touchdown for Debo. 32-yard pick six for Deion Jones. Wait, I thought James Harrison was Debo. Listen, these things. Well, when you're Debo and then you're still in the league and you're 48, there are going to be another. There are going to be more Debos. <laughs> That's fair. You know, these nicknames sometimes, like Alex Big Rodriguez Cat. had A-Rod locked down, you think, and then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers, people calling him A-Rod. Nobody calls him A-Rod. I mean, what are we doing here? He's capital A, lowercase a, dash Rod, so <laughs> it's different. Anyway, a get healthy game for the Falcons, who had no problem whatsoever with the lifeless Rams and a 42-14 win at the Coliseum. Atlanta now 8-5, and five, had two defensive touchdowns in this game, once again showing they can still win and dominate 
without Julio Jones. Greg Rosenthal, the Falcons took care of business and may have put Jeff Fisher on even thinner ice while doing it. Uh, Fisher should be in trouble. This game was preposterous, maybe. Ah. The most embarrassing home performance Hit him, Greg. of the year. Hit him with the hind. Uh, wow, if any team. Of any, it's, it's right I mean, there it with sense. the Jets. The first play of the game, they fumbled the kickoff. The second play of the game was a touchdown for the Falcons. I mean, <laughs> that's so confusing. The, the, the play-by-play still hasn't figured out how to even set that up already because you don't even know what's happening. I mean, oh, no. you got Todd Gurley yelling at Jared Goff. You got defensive touchdowns, you got drop passes from the Rams, you got a 42 to nothing score and Matt Ryan out of the game after three quarters in a game that there's no Julio or Sanu. Wow. I mean, how could it get worse? Wes, your paramour, big Rams fans we've said on the show before, uh, actually got to go to this game. Poor girl. Yeah, for some reason she was a little bit excited for the game. I mean, I can understand being excited for tailgating. Yeah, but to go to a Rams game and and hope they're going to show up, not not in the Jared Goff era. I mean, I think it's funny that she she <laughs> Jared won Goff written off. She no, I mean he, he has a chance, but he wasn't ready to play okay. when they put him in there. He's not gotcha. ready to play now, and they're a joke the, of a team right and now. And the defense wasn't much better. She won the tickets through her employer. Yeah. Thanks a lot, employer. Yeah that that is the that is the machine keeping the man down. In this case, the woman. I mean. The, the reminder that don't venture outside this world to enjoy our product. Get back in the building, earn a paycheck. Butts and seats. <laughs> <laughs> the Rams ran a quarterback option with two minutes left in this game, in which at the goal line, in which Jared Goff, you know, rushed it in, was not aware of the defender, takes a huge shot to the ribs where it looks like he could have gotten hurt. The score is forty-two to seven, and then fireworks go off in the stadium, oh, no. and it's forty-two to seven. Forty-two to fourteen. Oh, that's they, on purpose. Yeah, it was the Rams. What? It was the Rams fireworks. I am it's not. Like, hey, we just got our quarterback killed in a totally meaningless situation. Let's let off some fireworks. I'm not writing Jared Goff off, but this coaching staff has not developed him. He's not ready to play, and we're, I think we have to wait for the next coaching staff to get something out of him. I don't think there's any debate. They're a much worse team with Jared Goff than they were with Case Keenum. Let's. Um, Give a little love to Vic Beasley for the team that, that hopefully will be playing in January here. Up to 13 sacks after three on the day. Up to Whoa. seven forced fumbles. That's an outrageous number of forced fumbles. Wow. He's leading the league. I mean, he's leading DPOI. the league. In, I believe in both categories. Candidate. Sacks and too. to Wes's point, you can look up and down the Rams roster and look at offensive players that were drafted highly that have not developed into anything. And it goes back to the coaching staff. Flip side, the Falcons, for how many years have we said, you've got to draft and find a young pass rusher, couldn't do it, you bring in Dan Quinn and you get Vic Beasley. Coaching changes, not that we're pushing for this, but it's that when you're not developing young players, I don't, I can't think of a worse reason to keep a coaching staff around when you see young talent not growing into something more than they should. I thought Vic Beasley had the quickest first step in the league as a rookie last year. Mm. He wasn't strong and he didn't have all the moves. Dwight Freeney has probably helped with him. And the Falcons, they have a major edge on the Buccaneers for this reason. Next week, the Buccaneers are at Dallas. The Falcons host San Francisco. And then they both play the Panthers and Saints in the final two weeks. There you go. That could be the difference maker next week. Uh, let's move on, check in what's going on in the NFC East. Redskins up by five, looking to hold on for a win here. Wentz back to pass, the heat and the fumble. Balls out. It is Balls loose. Out. 
and the Redskins going to pick it up. It is Trent Murphy with it at the 33-yard line, and that's going to do it. That's going to do it. The showstopper, Ryan Kerrigan, got to him. <laughs> Larry Michael. Showstopper. <laughs> what? That's the worst nickname ever. Well, what about blunt force trauma? Uh, Larry, Larry Michael and Sonny Jorgensen of WTEM. The Eagles made them earn it, but the Redskins uh, kept their playoff hopes alive with a 27-22 win in Philly with that late stand. Deshaun Jackson had 102 yards and three catches, including an 80-yard hookup. That represented the biggest play in an up-and-down afternoon for Kirk Cousins. The Redskins, they break a two-game losing streak. Now 7-5-1, and one, gentlemen. And here's their finish. At home against Panthers. Uh, Wes, win lost me here. Home against Panthers. Win. 8-5-1. At Bears. Win. 9-5-1. Versus Giants. Win. 10-5. Well, you <laughs> set you the table that. for that one. 10-5-1. Uh, Congratulations, West. Redskins. You've made the playoffs. Yeah, the West, West sees them on a four-game streak. I mean, how this can was you, an important win. You can't dream up a better schedule than that. That's yeah. nice. People still think the Giants West, are a playoff team, and yeah. they have the one of the worst West, offenses in the NFL. Wes also has coming. the Giants picking third in the draft. So, you know. <laughs> that I mean, I, I agree with you, Wes. Tell me where I've gone wrong in my Giants analysis. No, I do, I do love that you included – an eight and four team on the best possible schedule you could come up. With. I mean, you could throw the Browns in instead of the Giants. That's that, would also, be, that would be better. Also, just to pull back the curtain here, it, it's in the second quarter of the Sunday night game. Wes hanging a little onion here, just assuming the Giants will fail. I, Currently down seven nothing. I've seen eight. the Giants' offense for the past month. I feel pretty good about this. Yeah, well, the, well, we'll get to the Giants, but for for now, the Redskins with a big win, really a tough one. And I thought, um, I thought this showed a little bit of moxie. Uh, I'm surprised by how much I continue to hear talk about, ooh, this was a big uh, big performance by Kirk Cousins who really needs to convince management that he's – are we past that at this point? He's going to get paid by the Redskins, right? I, some type of I, I'd be surprised if he didn't, but for, for one large reason, like what, what's your other option exactly. at quarterback? I mean, you're gonna, he, he's That's also – That's how all quarterbacks get paid. Right, and he's, he's also – it's not just you're backing into Kirk Cousins. He's shown incredible progress He's this earned season. it. And, Good uh, fit for the for for Jay Gruden. One thing, uh, kind of like the the little unique nugget of this game happened with the longtime long snapper for the Eagles, who I'm sure he's had a very nice career, and I wish I remember, remembered his name. But John he, Dorenbos. Yes, that's him, Dorenbos. He suffered a wrist injury, left the game. Uh, he was then replaced. Um, uh, by, uh, for exactly one snap, another wrist injury to his replacement. Uh, and it led to a third string guy, uh, long snapping, who got the snap down uh, for a long field goal that put the Eagles ahead temporarily. Mm. So that was a, that was a bizarre moment in this game. John Dorenbos was involved. Yeah, Brent Selleck tried. He also got hurt. And then uh, Donnie Jones, um, finally. But right. um, question for Mark. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, for it seemed like for about a month-long stretch, you were very bullish on the Redskins. Yes. Are you still as bullish on them now? I, I think that they you have to look at them as a team that could disappoint you any week, but I do I do think they're going to make the playoffs. We just talked about their schedule, and there's a nugget here, and this is something that I've liked about the Redskins last two seasons. It goes to Bill Callahan. Connor Orr wrote this up and talked about sometimes when the Redskins get hot in the ground game, the way that they design blocking schemes and the way they run the ball ties back to Bill Callahan and the coaching. And you mentioned the Colts, and it's the polar opposite with the Colts where you ask Ryan Grigson, 
or you ask the coaching staff, what happened on this play? I'll Joe Philbin's the, Joe, running the Colts offense. I mean, I do think that the Redskins have a good coaching staff. I think that they've got some ex- uh, the, the requisite amount of explosive players and a ground game that shows up enough to give you a real chance to win a playoff game. When they, pl- when they lost to Dallas on Thanksgiving, the first thing I thought was, I want to see these two teams play again. I'm not sure they're that team, but the DNA, the DNA is there to do something in January if it goes right. 10 QB hits today, and they play three bad offensive lines coming up. If, if they can just keep the pressure on, that's enough. They just got to be okay. I feel like their, their pass rush has really steadily improved throughout the season. Well, you got the showstopper. Showstopper! <laughs> Let's move on. And now, an actual promo from a real-life CBS program that millions of humans watch. The woman is trapped in her car at the bottom of La Brea Tarp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Remember, short breaths. In 35 minutes, she runs out of oxygen. That's it. I'm going to go. You go down there. The tar is going to break. Life-threatening burns in 15 seconds. <laughs> it's me or she dies. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped what? the LeBron Tarpit. Scorpion Mondays. Tolbert to his left. Four receivers in the pattern. Now Tolbert joins him. Here's the throw in zone. Caught. Devin Funches touchdown. Carolina. Devin Funches, if your mouth hurts, you need to keep your mouth hurting. Because that was a beautiful catch. Top 10. Wait, hold on. Top back 10. to back wackiest sound clips. Are we really even ready to get to the game after what we heard previous? LeBron Tarpits, please. Listen. Who is that announcing? <laughs> that. That was Mike, Mick Mixon and Eugene Robinson of WBT. Do you think Mick Mixon's real first name is Mick, or is it just because his last name is Mixon and that's a nickname? Mm. I don't know. but I, Probably I, born in the late 60s. So I traced that back to his parents. As someone who lives in Los Angeles, and I've actually been to the La Brea Tar Pits, <laughs> it's not that easy to crash your car into the Tar Pits. <laughs> yeah, nor is it easy. It all screams to me, you know what, we've got to – Pound out another one of these episodes. Yeah, they and got we're big- located in L.A. The tar pits are about five miles from here. Easy place to shoot. Build a drama, a ridiculous one around the, the t- La Brea tar pits. What else can it come down to? You know, they, I don't know. they got to pump out 24 of these scorpions a lot of every year. A lot of they can't all be gems. Who is Scorpion? Does anyone even know? Scorpion is a collective of oh, um, oh, operatives. I'm amazed you know. <laughs> uh, many of them uh, very intelligent, but also they all have different personalities, uh, unique personalities uh, that are both um, uh, interesting and um, uh, compelling. I mean, to it just sounds Billions. like something the, the LAPD would handle. I don't a, know why you bring in scorpions. Scorpion is when, they, when the police can't handle the job, you call up the scorpion. I mean, right. come on. And uh, we don't need to hear any criticism from Panthers or Chargers fans. You guys are just talking scorpion. You guys did this to yourself. Yes. yes. This should have been a fun game. Just a bunch of five and eight teams. And Those you, operatives are so intelligent, perhaps they should be writing the scripts for this show. <laughs> <laughs> a couple things. First of all, about this game, and then we got to keep moving here, but um, Melvin Gordon, uh, in the first quarter of this game, entered this game, I believe, seven yards shy of 1,000. We have uh, stated publicly uh, on this show uh, that, that that Spice Rack, Chris Wessling's desert consigliere, um, would have a chance to uh, redeem himself on this program if Gordon runs for 1,000 yards. Uh, suffered a hip injury in the first quarter, three yards shy of 1,000. Now, here's the good news for everybody because we don't want Melvin Gordon hurt. Uh, the Union Tribune reports that Gordon's hip is good. He's okay. So it looks like after a big wow. scare, but not before Spice Rack. And by the way, Spice Rack, come back to us. Well, baby. let's we'll we'll see. This is these are early reports. MRI is coming Monday. Good might also mean it's not 
broken, right. but he's out for the rest They've of the year. They've got nothing to play for. They could put him on ice. They, yeah. they absolutely could. Spice Rack takes a random shot at our sponsor, by the way, Mr. Flames Economics Class in The Hague, the Netherlands, on Twitter, randomly takes a shot at Mr. F, blaming him for Gordon's injury. <laughs> this is the type of stuff that, that Spice Rack got banned for. Well, it's, it's just like Spice Rack's bizarre mind decides that he wants to take a heel turn for some reason, thinking that this is going to play up his character. Come back to us, Spice Rack. How will the listener recover if he does not appear on our show again? <laughs> it's sad because he's, he's been right about Gordon, who has been fantastic this season. And as bad as this season's been for the Chargers, they just lost Gordon and they lost Joey Bosa in this game to a neck injury. And if he's out for a while, might get in the way of his defensive rookie of the year mm. candidacy. That would if, be a shame. Which, which would be a shame. And, and, oh, by the way, the Panthers won this. Your boy, by the way. Yeah, 28-16 Panthers win. Your boy, Philip Rivers Greg has really stumbled down the stretch. Five turnovers in this game. Uh, he was also sacked five times, took a safety. Uh, so uh, you predicted that uh, – and Wes, actually. You guys thought he would. they would go 10-6, and six, but they're going in the wrong direction. We were wrong. Closed. By the well, way, do not go after Mr. F. What are you thinking? Right, no, Mr. F, a heck of a crazy. nice guy. You're crazy. Rivers – That is, is not the way to get back on the show, buddy. This is a trend for Rivers. He has struggled in the second half of seasons compared to how great he's played in the first half of seasons. I believe three straight years. There's been a pretty marked decline for whatever reason. That's something to be a little concerned about for the L.A. Chargers. Our Panthers coverage went all to Cam Newton's tie, so that's why we haven't covered them tonight. Mr. F, uh, an apology for Mr. F, is now part of any Spice Rack return to the show. Absolutely. That's fair. If he gets there. Let's move on. The Browns are starting inside their own 15. A free flipper from their own end zone into triple coverage. And it's intercepted by George Iloka. Has some blockers on the return. Iloka is shoved out of bounds. Curious play call there by Hugh Jackson and the Bengals, and the Browns rather, and it proves costly. If one play sums up a season, that might have been it. Robert Griffin III was not the spark the Browns hoped for, and Cleveland fell to 0-13 with a 23-10 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in Cleveland. Mark, the Browns are now uh, you know, winless at home, winless on the road, and they're running out of time to avoid the unthinkable. They are. you got the Bills, the Chargers, and the Steelers uh, left on your schedule. I don't know where the win comes from there. And, you know, for all the trouble – that the Bengals have encountered this season and for as much of a low wattage version they are of last year's team, it's stunning to still look at the separation between where they are and where Cleveland is. It's not a one or two year rebuilding operation in Cleveland, which we knew, but the the deep gutting that took place, it's very hard to build an NFL team. And it's another week. I don't think we need to bemoan it for much more than that, where it's just ever present how far away they are from not just really winning games even, but being the kind of team that can go 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight and be kind of frisky. I mean, we aren't seeing enough of these young players kind of developing down the stretch into players that can take over games, not at all. How much do you think their chances of winning a game are decreased, or do you, with RG3 at quarterback versus Cody Kessler, who is healthy and ready to play. My only comment there, and I, I know a lot of Browns fans would disagree with this, <clears throat> Cody Kessler's had two concussions, so I get why they you might just shelve him at this point for the rest of the year. But I don't, I don't understand how RG3, from what we've seen on the field or just in general what he represents, should on any level get in the way of 
future plans, and he should not be considered as the starter for next season. He's not reliable. They've got to go in a completely new direction. And so why is he starting games in December? I don't know why you'd put him out there over anyone. This is a winless team over anyone that could grow in the role, including Kessler, who's been better than RG3. Maybe it's as simple as Cody Kessler took such a beating. I mean, I think that's what it comes to. have somebody else back there that's healthy right now. I think he's essentially, they would like him maybe not to see the field again. That was Andrew Catalan of CBS with the call, by the way. Sorry to delay that uh, announcement. The Bengals are set up to play the spoiler role more than any team in the NFL going down the stretch. They are frisky right now. They have not packed it in. They're playing very well through the injuries. Yep. Marvin Lewis coming back. They play the Steelers, then they play at Houston, then they play the Ravens. Three teams right on the edge of the playoffs right now, and the Bengals are not some team that you can just say is a gimme win right now. Right. I mean, you think about teams like them and the Cardinals and the Lions – and that's where I think Kevin was talking. There's not that big of a difference between those three teams. Nope. I mean, I would the, say what, the Cardinals would have won three extra games if Zero wasn't a disaster this year. I'd say one today. issue with the Bengals that we've mentioned that that showed up again today, which is a concern about them beating anyone down the stretch or taking care of a team like the Steelers. The Browns are the worst pass rushing defense in the NFL, and it's not even close. Four sacks, five quarterback hits, and they derailed the Bengals a number time, number of times with key third down sacks. So, I, you know, what happens when you go play a Pittsburgh team that on defense is really emerging? One, la- one last note on uh, on the Browns. Really, Terrell Pryor, Terrell Pryor, who's had had his moments. What is it? He seems to be getting under people's skin after the game. <laughs> Pac-Man Jones made a big spectacle. He said he would only answer questions about Terrell Pryor. Held up a garbage can and was anything about uh, Terrell Pryor. Any questions? He would signal that Terrell Pryor was in the garbage can. They had some words uh, before the before the game, and I guess dating back to a, a prior matchup. But uh, Pryor has seemed to get on the, the grid for some people this year. I don't know why. Seems to speak positively in interviews. Yeah, like 21 that. yards in two games against the Bengals. Part A, great against Pac-Man Jones, who talks trash about all sorts of people. But it hasn't hey, been just him. Who's hey, having I, a I, sneaky great year. This guy is ageless. Pac-Man? A sneaky no, great he's year. A, no, he's, he's not. He's played really well over the last month. He really Right, is. in the first half, Sorry, he was a liability. I don't but. know. So there, there is a second part to that, but I feel like <laughs> the, the whole thing has sailed away at this point. All right. All right. I feel like Pryor has been a good soldier. I think I think I would Said say all the right I, I wonder. I don't know the answer to this. I wonder yeah. if people uh, that players, other people, innately um, disrespect or look down on a player who is attempting to switch positions from A to B. I think it would be the opposite, to be honest, because you'd have to know how hard that is. But also, if you're trying to guard him and he's frustrating to deal with, maybe that's where it's coming from. I guess I don't he, honks, know he, he, he probably honks Good. You know what? It, sorry. One player oh, on the Browns is no, talking trash. I mean, he should. He's honking. Uh, I mean, he shouldn't, but it's nice they have that quality. Let's uh, check in with the uh, Around the NFL podcast, other glory team. Petty in the pistol. Bilal Powell just behind him. He takes the snap, gives to Bilal Powell, who runs left. Gets to the 15. At the 10. At the 5. To the end zone. The Jets are going to win it. Why bother with a field goal when Bilal Powell can score his second touchdown of the game and Marty win it for the Jets in overtime? Yeah, you do. You, Bob Wasusian of WEP. That's a good call. Bilal Powell's uh, 19-yard touchdown run in overtime was the decisive play in the Jets' 23-17 win over the 49ers. Uh, the Jets were down 14 nothing five minutes into this game. Uh, no lollipops to be handed out to the Jets, obviously, but uh, they snapped a four-game losing streak and extended uh, the Niners' losing skid to 12. 
on a day that a fire Trent Balky banner flew over Levi Stadium, which was ironic considering John Igzik got canned in part, in my opinion, by a fan movement uh, in New Jersey and New York in which banners were flown above MetLife Stadium. Also terrible decision-making, but yes. Yeah, well, that is well. <laughs> um, I said in part. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Bryce Petty, first pass of the game, interception, uh, but he showed, showed, some, uh, showed some things in this game, and this was kind of why – Wes, and you and I fundamentally disagree on this, but why I want to see Petty, not necessarily to see if he's the starter, but is this guy at least maybe our number two next year, see what he's got. He's shown some things, but very raw um, right now. Uh, as for the Niners, guys, I mean, if you can't win this game, you're not going to win any game. Well, you're game. playing the Rams, but yes. I don't know. That's going to be a, a, quite a battle right there. This keeps the number one pick alive. I mean, the 49ers, they had this. The Browns were in great position. Well, Dan and I were having – I mean, I, you know, I'd say, Dan, I don't think I've seen you. I don't know if it was – it didn't seem manufactured. Yeah. It seemed genuine, genuinely giddy during the final couple minutes of this game, which was nice to yeah. see. You well, you know what? It's, well, these tough years, and Mark, you know better than anyone, um, these tough years, even though it might have technically hurt the Jets in the long run with their draft standing, it is nice to get a win. I didn't want them to get embarrassed by the 49ers of all teams, which would have led to another round of Twitter mocking. Or your coach being fired. And the, and the coach get – we don't want that. That's not p- positive progress. So a little bit you know, a little bit of the Keith Hansis in me, who my dad was sending texts all through. The, in fact, I, I was not going to have Keith Hansis – uh, even call in for the rest of the season. Uh, but he's been so relentlessly pounded by losses, and he's a guy that just wants to see his team win, that I thought, let's let's have Keith uh, talk about a Jets victory for once. The first time all season on this show, I think. Yes. His name is Keith. His dad's dad. dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he going to say about the game Great comeback by the Jets versus the 49ers today. today uh, with that overtime victory, as a Jets fan, every win is sweet despite this poor season. It gave uh, I was renewed with happiness again. Uh, Teddy, Powell, and Folk were the heroes. I'm looking forward to next week. Bye. That's a fan. Absolutely. My dad, you know, you could get – and, and, and since 1969, the Jets have really known nothing but heartache. Uh, but my dad just wants to see some wins. On Sundays, he watches the game, and he wants to see the Jets that, win. That right there is why the NFL is king, because what the Jets have done to him and the Browns have done to you, Mark, and, and you just – you come back for more, you, you want to be happy. And you, you, I loved hearing – I love when you, you call him Billy Powell. You were just – I like Billy this, Powell. This was the Billy Always Powell have. game. 29 carries, 145 yards, and two touchdowns. I'll take that all day. I mean, you know, the, the Niners would also take 193 yards from oh Carlos Hyde at 11.4 yards per carry, but that's that's separate. <laughs> Most of that in the first half. Anyway. Chip Kelly took blame for basically sitting on this lead. I don't think he thought Petty could come back on them. I, you know, they you can't sit on a lead. You have 17 points. 17-6, I believe, in the fourth quarter, and the, and the Jets oh. found a way, uh, and the Niners are still in the mix for the number one pick. Let's move on. Which takes us to Sunday Night Football. The NFC East showdown between the Cowboys and Giants. Chris Wessling, winter has come for the Cowboys' 11-game winning streak. (laughs) Here's a lollipop. No, no lollipop for you, Chris. Odell Beckham ended the winning streak. 
Odell Beckham. What did Odell Beckham do in this game? Sid? Beckham making the catch. And off to the races he goes. Car chasing him down. Can't get him. Touchdown Giants. They take the lead. Yes, Odell Beckham's 61-yard touchdown uh, put the Giants ahead and kept them ahead on Sunday night at the Meadowlands, a 10-7 win uh, for uh, Big Blue over the Cowboys. The Cowboys lose for just the second time this season. Both their losses now in Week 1 and Week 14 have come to the same Giants team. The Giants now improve uh, to, uh, what is it, 8 and Eight and four. Eight and four on the season. Nine and four. Nine and four, Nine and four on the season and uh, are in prime playoff position. And this was a game, Chris Wessling, uh, that the, the Giants offense could not do anything with the exception of that Beckham play, but the defense showed up in a monster way. You have to give Janoris Jenkins and that defensive line a ton of credit. Uh, and, and Odell Beckham, I think you saw that he can turn a slant into a touchdown like nobody in the NFL. The offensive line had a poor game. Eli Manning had a poor game, and that's what's been happening for the last month. But to me, Odell Beckham didn't win the game for them. Odell Beckham got 10 points on the board, which is going to get you beat, you know, every other week of the season against the Cowboys. The Giants' defense won the game for them. 15 drives for the Cowboys and 260 yards. They had more drives than they had first downs. For the last two weeks, the Jaguars – I mean, the Cowboys, rather, have put up Rams-level or Jaguars-level production. It's just two weeks. There's no need to panic. But they've had two straight weeks under 270 yards, which would be by far the worst any team has in yardage all season. It's a problem. If it you is. Go ahead, Mark. Well, I was going to say, if you look oh, at... Oh, Sunday night. Wow. <laughs> I can't get upset at that. I, I never will be able to get upset at that. It's just sheer talent coming over the broadcast. It's like a Disney character Nobody. behind the glass. I, like, I think it's shaking back here, like in anticipation well, of Mark Tagar. I was like, oh, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? You are obsessed with Disney, and I'm starting to see that maybe you, you, know, you have a role in a Disney mm. film at some point. But uh, like, you look at Frozen the, too. You look at the way that Dallas Still closed this, this game, and it's their drives are ridiculous. They're all short drives. It's a punt, an interception, a punt, a punt, a punt, a fumble, and downs. It's just the opposite of what the formula we talked about with Dallas all season. Long drives that chew up the clock, control the line, the opposite today. Zeke Elliott, 24 for 107. Uh, that, so everything looks Most fine. Most of that coming early. By the way, he had 86 yards at halftime compared to 84 for the entire Giants offense. Right. Wow. Uh, so, But he slowed down the second half after a great start. Dak Prescott, and here is, here is now the big talking point. You know who's – you know, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp are doing backflips right now because they have something to talk about <laughs> for the next five days. Dak Prescott, 17 of 37, 165 yards, averaging yards per attempt, 4.5. His first game in his career where he's thrown two interceptions, sacked three times, pass rating of 45.4. So a true stinker against a very good Giants defense. But again, uh, the Giants defense, Greg, won this game without JPP, too, which makes it even more impressive. Yeah, and the credit should go to Janoris Jenkins for an incredible performance. And Devon Kennard had a nice night, and Olivier Vernon had a nice night. But I think we have seen, and all credit should go to this Giants defense, who's been fantastic down the stretch. We've seen now two weeks in a row, and I I think that's enough to, to worry about it, that a great defense at home can take down this Cowboys offense. On they're play, not infallible. Yeah. On plays from nope. a clean pocket per pro fo- football focus, Dak Prescott was only 7 of 21 for 91 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions from a clean pocket. 
I think the last few weeks, uh, and really, look, just two weeks ago against Washington, he lit it up. Uh, Baltimore slowed him down for about a half, but then he you know, figured things out and responded. But these last two weeks, you've seen defenses throw a lot at him in terms of looks, in terms of disguises, and they've had a lot of talent. That helps, and the offensive line wasn't as dominant as we're used to seeing. I mean, I just... We just got done praising a resurgent Packers team that we know is going to go to the playoffs that three weeks ago looked like an utter trash heap on defense. Teams go through these ups and downs, these biorhythms. Or they just change. They change. But Dak Prescott also is up till, you know, outside of two games, answer the call every single week. I I will not tolerate a bunch <laughs> of chatter about, oh, let's bench do? him now. Well, you know what? What will you do? Stay at home. Stay in my house. <laughs> He's gonna, yeah. He'll get criticized, and there will be he uh, should get criticized uh, for this game, yeah. and that's fine. And he, and, and there will be idiots that come out and say now it's time to get Tony Romo in the mix, which you should ignore and unfollow and block anybody that does that because Dak has earned much more rope than that at this point. Uh, but I would say if you're if you want to spin positive as a Cowboys fan, that it's good if you're gonna hit a, a bump in the road. Early to mid-December. Totally agree. It's okay. You still have time to kind of figure out what pe- how teams are adjusting to you. Maybe you can tie up some issues here, loose ends, and then move forward because you're still in great position to get the first seed. Y- you are, and I, and I think that's right, Dan. And I think it, it, just, it just shows how important I think these next three weeks are, regardless of what they're seeding. They're playing a good Bucks defense next week. They're going to get the line. I think it's important for a rookie quarterback and a, in a rookie running back and a team – that has won fewer playoff games in the last 20 years than the than the Seahawks have you know won in the last two years. I think it's important for them to close out strong and get a little bit of this stink off. Prescott's third in the league in fumbles, so I know every everyone loves how careful he's been with the ball. He's third in the league in fumbles, and now he's got a couple picks here. So it's just something you got to clean up. Well, there you have it, Wes. You're annoyed because you had the the Giants. <laughs> figured out, and now they got another win. They're probably going to the playoffs. I'm annoyed because I'm competitive and I wanted that lollipop, but <laughs> the, Giant, the Giants' defense just deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, and uh, and I have all my friends from back home in the cold town are Giants fans, and they were tw- uh, you know texting all game, freaking out about Eli Manning with good reason. Let's see. As Wes has said, this offense still looks broken, and let's see if they, could, they can figure it out in these last three weeks because – if they do, if they, Wes, if they can somehow pull themselves out of which is more than a slump right now, pull and figure something out, they are dangerous in January, as we've learned before. Which reminds me, uh, Rodney Harrison, come back to us. Here's my first. <laughs> Did he pick the Patriots tonight? This, is, this is falls under the realm of gas station criticism. I went to the gas station last night to fill up my tank. You know how sometimes they have those videos playing? Mm-hmm. They had Dan Patrick and Rodney Harrison, and Rodney Harrison's analysis was, it's going to be a tough matchup for that Cowboys secondary because the Giants attack downfield with Eli Manning in that great downfield offense. And I'm thinking, is this guy mailing it in for the entire season? Eli's got the worst downfield offense in the NFL this year. Do your homework, dog. Do your homework. <laughs> it, it, it was remarkable in a game that's as big a win the Giants have had in a while that you're not letting Eli Manning throw the ball in the fourth quarter. And when they do let him throw the ball, he almost throws it away a few times. It's just such a – it's a strange – it's a strange season. I like what this listener, Matt Raven, has just tweeted to Dan and I saying that Jets and Browns fans utterly unite and laugh at the BS narratives of struggles and QB quandaries (laughs) in Big D. Give me a break. Yeah, fair enough. Very fair. 
And Des Bryant, make some plays in this in this game. Got to make yeah. some plays. Yeah. Hold on to that football. Make some plays. Anyway. All right. We'll be back on Tuesday uh, where we will recap. We got one more uh, really good primetime game this week to come. That's Baltimore at New England on Monday night. So we'll talk about that game. And uh, then we'll take a closer look at the playoff picture the, on Tuesday the next time you hear from us. Thank you for listening. Uh, leave stars. Leave comments on the old iTunes page. And, uh, you know, show everyone – uh, that you that you support us the way we uh, support you? No, that feels strong. <laughs> That's strong. The way we entertain you. If we try to do our best, and if you could help us out, that would be great. Sydney, great singing. Really proud of you. Don't leave us for Anaheim. This is Dan Hansen signing <laughs> off for a Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and new money behind the glass. Top Tuesday. This is how the sausage gets made, Mark. It's not just magical unicorns and the show arrives. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.